0: Before we get into the word this morning, let's pray together. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what it is you want to speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would move on our hearts and our minds as we dive back into what it means to be the church or what it means to be the ecclesia. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen amen how many ready to get into the word this morning I'm ready to get into it last week we got into Acts chapter 8 and if you were here we really took a look at the evangelist and the deacon who is known by what name come on now Stephen was one of them who's who's the one we looked at last week starts with a P ends with an ill thank you Philip (laughs) together we looked at listen the, the truth is this, God didn't send uh, him to minister to thousands of people, he sent him to minister to one person. One Ethiopian eunuch that was sitting on the side of the road studying the book of Isaiah, he didn't send him to thousands, he sent him to one. So we, we sing that song about how God, he leaves the 99, right, to get the one. A lot of times God will send just one person to reach you, to reach us. Over the previous weeks, we have seen clearly that God hates sin, but loves people. Amen. God hates sin. God loves people. And because of this, he sends Philip to one man. So he may send you one person as a witness to your neighbors, as a witness to your family, as a witness to your friends, or as a witness to those who are in your circle. He may send one person and that one person might be you. Amen. How many know that God has called us to evangelism? God has called us to share Christ, to share our testimony, to share what he's done for us. Maybe not as, you know, maybe maybe for some it would be great, but maybe not as a professional preacher or a pastor, but simply as one who has a testimony of the goodness of God, amen? When we say, God is so good, God is so good. God is so good, he's so good to me. I didn't intend to talk about this, but Mike, as we were talking this morning, you shared about why you were here at the church. How God grabbed a hold of you, right? And that you've been here ever since. So do you mind if I share that a little bit? Mike said, man, he there was a situation where you took a bat to the head. How many know Mike, Mike was in a in a rough place, right? Real rough place. As he woke up, what happened, Mike? All the doctors said there must be somebody upstairs looking over you. It took me a few seconds, and it dawned on me what it meant. The Lord was taking care of me and bringing me back. He said the doctor said if it had been 30 minutes longer, he'd be dead. I was dead. Yeah. His son, yeah. His son, Kyle, went to this church at the time and invited him to come to church. And he said, ever since I came, I've just, I've never stopped coming. How many know there's a change, right? How many know that when when we meet Christ, there should be and needs to be a change? Let's talk about that a little bit. When we talk about, when we're getting into Paul, We're just getting, or or who's Saul right now, right? So getting into Acts chapter 9, we immediately are thrown into the situation and testimony of the man that we call Saul, but now we call Paul. If you remember, Saul was at the stoning of Stephen. He was the first martyr of Christ. Or the first martyr for Christ. So Stephen approved of his killing, and then the Bible says that he went upon wreaking havoc upon the church he went wreaking havoc upon the early church. Now, he's gonna branch out from Jerusalem and make his way towards a town called Damascus. And a lot of us are aware of this story, or aware, aware of the account, aware of the, of the situation. So while he is on his way to Damascus, his plan is to capture any Christ followers and bring them back with him to Jerusalem. That's the plan. But as many are aware, of course, his plans change, right? So let's get into this with Acts chapter nine. We're gonna start with verse one and we're gonna go through verse nine. So it says this, Acts chapter nine, one through nine says, but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, say the way, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He wasn't just going after men, he was also going after women. He would bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Verse 7 says, the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Verse 8 says, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 9 says, and for three days, say three days, he was without sight. He neither ate nor drank. Saul had what I like to call a Mack truck experience with God. Right? How many know what a Mack truck experience is? In case you don't know, if you were to go out on the highway and stand in front of a Mack truck, or let's say an oncoming Mack truck, if you were to just jump in front of one, how many know you're gonna leave different? Right? If you have a Mack truck experience, you're going to leave different. You're gonna probably talk differently. You're probably, if you get out of the hospital, let's say you survive the truck. And you get out of the hospital now you're gonna walk differently right how many know you're going to talk differently when you have a life-changing life altering eternity altering experience there should be a difference amen (laughs) who you were before the Mack truck who you were after the Mack truck how you walked before the Mack truck how you talked before the Mack truck, and who you are after the Mack truck, all vastly different, right? The truth is that your salvation experience might not have been as dramatic as Saul's, but your soul was just as affected. How many know, we went from death to life. We went from being declared sinners to being declared righteous through the blood of Jesus, amen? It's an interesting thing, when you made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you can't help but be changed. And I mean truly make the decision. You didn't just come up and say some words that were a prayer, but you said, yes, Lord, you you are everything. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to follow you. You are my master and my king. I will serve you in any way I can. When we truly give our lives over to Christ, things start to change. Who we were before versus who we are after. When it comes to the experience of Saul, let's break down a few things that are going on here. The first thing we see is that the followers of Christ uh, were called an interesting name at this time. They were referred to as the way, say the way. I'm going to turn the fan on, because it is hot. The Way. That same, uh, there's a commentator, he noted that the name of The Way means that Christianity, listen to this, is more than a belief or a set of opinions or doctrines. Following Jesus is a way of living as well as believing. In other words, hear me clearly, Jesus transcends All other opinions and faiths I once heard a a powerful influencer said yes I'm a Christian I believe in Jesus but you don't have to it's not required said this in front of thousands of people she said I I respect all faiths in and she said all faiths and we turn her on, and we celebrate with her, and we let her influence our homes and our lives. Jesus said this in John fourteen six. I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one, say no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. Well, you know, there's multiple paths. No, no. The Bible says that there is a path that is wide and there's one that's straight and narrow. How many know what I'm talking about? There are influencers, people that are trying to convince you that Jesus is not the only way, but just one of many ways. How many know that's a lie from the devil? That is a demonic lie. Both in, and I'll say it this way, both in the secular arena As well as in the religious arena, we're having pastors who are flip flopping on whether or not Jesus is the only way to heaven. We're having nationally known speakers that are affirming, oh, well, you know, if you're just a good Muslim, just, you know, be a good Hindu. As long as you're good. How many know God? Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. That's why he came. You say, well, they're very good. I know non-believers. Or people who would refer themselves as Christians but simply aren't. They belong in a cult or something like that. and, And just very nice people. How many know what I'm talking about? Just super nice people. Non believers, that can be super, I mean, just give you the shirt off their back. That's just their demeanor. That's just who they are. But they don't know Christ. And so you pray for them. Your heart, your soul hurts for them. Many of them are deceived. And you just pray, Lord, make it clear to them. Let the blinders be taken off. Listen, the truth is this. If there's more than one way, Jesus was a liar and we should go home. If there's more than one way, Jesus was a liar and we should go home. How many understand that conviction this morning? How many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except through him. In a culture that tells you any way is the way. In a culture that tells you, as long as you're good, you're fine. Listen, if you don't have a true, real, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not fine. You are lost. This is a tough message. Because we go, "Well, I have neighbors and I loved ones that they simply don't believe. We love them. We, we care for them. Where our soul hurts for them. Pastor David, what do we do? Every time we get together, do I just shove it down their throats and, come on, get saved. What are you, what are you thinking? That's probably not the best way to evangelize. Tim, right? Tim's <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. You pray over the meal. Lord, I pray that they would get saved. Well, okay. That's one way to go. I've talked about this a few times, but one of the... I wouldn't say best friends anymore, but acquaintances in my life. There's a homosexual woman that has a partner and they have a kid together. She's a lovely woman. She's hilarious. We get along, we have dinner together, we'll have lunch together, and, and she's clearly aware of where I stand in my faith. And if there's something going on in her life or my life, I can call her and say, hey, is everything okay? I've been praying about this. And... The thing is this, every time we've gotten together, every time she has a question about something, every time she says, well, hey, what about this? What about this? And, and and we talk about it and we discuss it and I and I witness Christ to her. Has she changed? Not yet. Praying she will. You say, well, what about this? Well, no, you know, hadn't happened yet. Some plant the seed. Some water the seed, some bring in the harvest. So for years, all I can do is just water the seed, right? Pray that the seed's not rejected. A lot of times that's what we can do as believers. Jesus is the way, the truth in life. No one comes to the Father except through him. As Christians, we need, the conviction of the Bible. We need to follow the truth and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life, right? I want to warn believers this morning the truth of this. The Bible says the enemy comes disguised as an angel of light. And if we aren't careful in our discernment and we're not sure of what we believe, it is very easy to be taken in by demonic doctrines and false beliefs it is very easy to be taken in by these things because, oh, wow, they're, they're such a nice person. And they have so much influence over everybody. And they have such a large church. And they have a national ministry. You say, Pastor David, who are you talking about? It's not, it's not hard to find out. Listen to what is being preached today. Listen to what is being preached nationally, not just in the religious sector, but in the secular arena. It's very easy to be taken in by false beliefs and demonic doctrines when we are not sure of what we believe. What's the second thing we see? We see that Saul is on a mission to destroy What we call the Ecclesia the early church he's on a mission to take it out that's what he's doing he is highly educated extremely zealous he's a follower of Judaism and in Galatians it says he makes it clear that he advanced his studies beyond anybody else he was a smart guy a scholar He was a true believer in Judaism and saw the early church as a clear threat. So one commentary said of Saul that he must have thought that he was trying to stop a plague of false religion. That's what he was doing. Saul was approving of killing and wreaking havoc in the early church. He was doing all of this to try to stop the onslaught of what he thought was probably this false religion, this false messiah. This was a man who was against the followers of Jesus at all costs, right? Even if it meant death. He beat them, he persecuted them, he killed them. He was becoming famous for it. In fact, how could there be any hope for this man? I'm sure at one time in your life, Mike, somebody saw what you were going through and saw how could there be any hope for this man? How many ever in your life, the way that you were, the way that you acted, the way that you responded, the way that you spoke, the way that you talked, and people would look at them and say, There is no hope for them. There was a specific testimony of a man I want to share with you this morning. He said this You can get high on sex, you can get high on alcohol. You can get high on all kinds of drugs. I was high on hate and violence. This man was brought up in a spiritual nightmare of parents who were involved in witchcraft and brutality. So when he hit the streets of New York City, he was a hardened man. He was void of love and full of hate, is what he says. As a teen, he found a conduit for that hate. He joined a gang for his own protection and sense of identity. He joined, he quickly demonstrated his ruthlessness and leadership and rose to be the leader of one of the toughest gangs of New York. When he showed up on the scene, people had reason to run and hide. He was vicious and he was feared. His mother referred to him as a son of Satan. He said New York was a jungle. The law of the jungle is you behave like an animal. Listen, animals don't know the difference between right and wrong. An animal has to kill another animal for survival and that's what he did at the pinnacle of his fame he knew that he had to do something different he said the most you can live in this lifestyle is about 20 years and I was 19 already or I was in it for 19 already in one year I'd probably be dead One psychologist saw him and told him at least five times Five times there is a dark side in your life that nobody can penetrate. You are walking straight to jail, the electric chair, and then to hell. There is no hope for you. But there was another voice in his life. A man named uh, David. In fact, his name was Pastor David. It wasn't me. The pastor risked his life to go and tell him that there was hope. I heard his voice, God has the power to change your life, the man said, and I started cursing out loud. The man said, I I spit in his face and I hit him. I told him, I don't believe in what you say and you need to get out of here. The pastor looked at him and said this, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street and every piece would still love you. You could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street and every piece would still love you." He said, man, that did damage. He said, it was good damage, but it did, it did damage to my brain and to my heart. He said, I began to question and for two weeks I could not sleep because I was thinking about love. This pastor was holding rallies in New York City, and one night the gang came by to see what was happening. And one by one, the gang members gave their lives to Jesus. He said it was the crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross, that grabbed him. He said, I choked up with pain. My eyes were fighting tears as they began to come down, and more tears. And I was fighting, and then I surrendered. I let Jesus hug me, I let my head rest on his chest. I said, I'm sorry, forgive me. And for the first time in my life, I told somebody, I love you. He left the gang. He enrolled in Bible college, he met his wife Gloria. The two married and moved back to New York City where they ran a program called Teen Challenge. How many know he had a Mack truck experience with God? Who he was before and who he was after Mack was extremely changed. In case you don't know, this is Mack over here. (laughs) Since then, he has traveled all over the world as an evangelist. The pastor, of course, many know was a man named David Wilkerson. And the young man, who is now a bit older, was named Nicky Cruz. After he became a preacher, he went back to the gang that he was in and he started preaching Christ to them. (laughs) It says, more gang members came to Christ through his ministry, including the new gang leader. He says more than that, he was able to share years later. Remember, he was raised in uh, witchcraft Years later, he said, I have seen thousands come to Christ through the ministry, but none made me more happy or satisfied than seeing my mom and dad come. One who had no hope, one who people said you were a son of Satan, one who a psychologist said you're just going to, you are going to jail, you are going to the electric chair, and then you're going to hell. And of course, many of you are aware of his testimony, but I'm sure a lot of people aren't. The fact is that nearly everybody discarded this man. How could a man like him be saved? How could an earthly representation of evil be saved? But remember, Jesus still died for him. That he's still made in the image of God. And so one person, not thousands, but one person. Reached out to him. One man that God sent to reach one leader who would have a drastic impact throughout the world in his ministry. My question simply is this, who is God sending you to? Who is God sending you to? And what impact may they have in the world? Nobody can say nobody, right? Are we awake this morning? Nobody can say nobody. The truth is that if you're saying, well, and I'm asking the question, who can God send you to? And if you're sitting there thinking, well, nobody. I would say you have stopped listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to repent, honestly. In the case of Saul, I'm guessing it was really difficult for him to to come to Christ, right? I'm guessing he was just so hard-headed that Jesus just decided, "I, I need to show up on the road. I need to show up to like, Saul can't deny me any longer. And so after Saul's salvation experience, we see how there's another man that's called to obedience. How many know that we, that we are called to obey the leading of the Spirit in our life? And if the Holy Spirit leads you to uncomfortable places, which a lot of times that's what it is, we need to be obedient to it. How many know a lot of times he leads us to uncomfortable places? It's not easy talking to people. Just, hey, the Holy Spirit led me here, and I need to talk to you about this. And a lot of times, they they'll hear that and go, Yeah, okay. How many know we live in the real world, right? There's a world outside of these four walls that isn't the church world, but is the secular world. And the truth is, when we get out there, people are not always responsive to God. How many know that to be true? How many are awake this morning? How many want coffee right now? My wife has coffee right now. She's, she's trying to hide it from me. How many know that God has called you to minister to people? And so, Zach, you go up to somebody. You feel the Holy Spirit lays somebody in your heart over and over and over again. You say, Lord, I don't know why I'm thinking about this person, but you you start praying for them. And then one day you see them. Now, you can go up to them and be like, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. I've been praying for you. Make sure you get saved, man. Well, that's one way to do it. Probably not the best way. Or you keep praying for them. And when the door is opened, you say, you know, maybe for weeks, days, months, years, The Lord's been laying on my heart. And now the Lord is using a young man to minister to people around him. Don't let people despise you because of your youth. Right? God wants to use you just like he wants to use your dad and mom. God wants to use our young people. Amen? God wants to use you, Mike, to reach those people around you. To say, man, you won't believe what God did for me. And so we look at the, our neighbors and we look at our friends and we look at our loved ones and we go, well, I can't talk to them because that's uncomfortable. But you can pray for them. Right? When you walk by and you say, hey, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. You lay hands right there and you just say, Lord, give them. Lord, save them. I mean, you don't say it aloud. You know, that would be a little... A little weird like, hey Paolo nice to meet you. Lord, get him, come on. <laughs> and so there's times where we are able to minister to people with our prayers and there's times where the door is open for us to speak to them personally and have just a conversation with them about Christ. But how many remember that our war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers? And you say well is you know when we say who is the lord calling you to minister to i'm not saying that you run up and run up to him on the street and be like jesus save you get saved now come on maybe that's the way it happens how many i i don't know who the man is i i actually really appreciate every time i hear him how many know the guy in spencer who uh who yells on the sidewalk and yeah, we've heard him, right? He's preaching. He, I don't. He's reading the Bible. He's praying. He's preaching. God bless him. That's what the Lord's called him to. Hallelujah, man. Seems like a genuinely nice guy. I, I drive by, I honk, hey. He says, hey, praise Jesus. That's the ministry God's called him to. That's not the ministry God has called everyone to, right? Right? K. Doll. She said, don't call on me. I can't imagine for the life of me K. Doll is going to be in the middle of the street. <laughs> reading your Bible as loud as people can hear her, just in the hopes that somebody drives by and says oh yeah I need the Lord right but she may have someone on her heart that she she needs to pray for and that someday there might be a, a an opening where she can talk to them on a personal level I remember when I was uh, I don't know it's happened many times but there's times where God just lays a, lays a person on my heart I can't get them off of my mind and so I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but just let me let, just, I pray for them. I don't know what the situation is, but let me pray for them. Lord, move upon their situation. Now, a lot of times I hear about what, what people are going through. I hear a lot of times just what people are going through and just the life of a pastor, and that's okay. But there's sometimes that unexpectedly someone is just laid on my heart. And so I would encourage you that when someone is laid on your heart, when someone keeps going through your mind, Pray for them minister to them sometimes it's uncomfortable sometimes we have to do things that we're not comfortable with sometimes God calls us to uncomfortable places that's what happened to this man in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10 we're gonna start there and it says this there was a disciple at Damascus that's now where near where Saul is his name was Ananias say Ananias So we talked about an Ananias just a few weeks ago. This is not the same guy. Remember, that guy's dead. Right? This Ananias is a totally different one. It'd be like if someone was named Gary, and then on the other side of the room, there's another one named Gary. But one of the Garys was dead. I'm not going to say which one. Not this one. The pretend Gary is dead. (laughs) Oh, man, that's a stupid joke. All right, here we go. The Lord said in a vision Ananias and I like how he responded right away here I am Lord This, this this is someone who is responding to the voice of God quickly responds here I am Lord and the Lord said to him rise and go to the street called straight straight Street and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul for behold he is praying And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him that he might regain sight. So think about this. The Lord is saying to Ananias. (laughs) That's all right. Hey, children's ministry. Hallelujah. The Lord is saying to Ananias. There's a man named Saul. He's on straight street. I need you to go there because he is praying and as he is praying he is having a vision of a man named Ananias coming to lay hands on him Ananias answered Lord I have heard about from many about this man how much evil this man has done to your Saints Jerusalem and here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call your name remember this just happened the chief priests in Jerusalem they don't understand what's going on Saul has been traveling down this road he experiences this, this he has this Mack truck awesome experience with God and he still has the authority to bind up Christians and take them to Jerusalem he still has the authority of a man who's educated learned is, it has has the authority of someone who is against the early church but now the Lord is speaking to him in tremendous ways Ananias hears, yeah you need to go help this guy and Ananias starts to become fearful he says I've heard a lot about this guy he's I mean really I could go up to him and he could bind me up and take me to Jerusalem but the Lord said verse 15 go How I many you know? sometimes the Lord just says go right, Susan, go. It's Susie. I said, Susie Jensen. She said, Susan, who's that? (laughs) Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him, listen to this. Listen to this carefully. This flies in the face of what we're told today. For I will show him, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias departs the house, but I want to stay on this for just one second. Following Christ is sacrificial always truly following Jesus involves suffering always you say I'm gonna be suffering all the time no and there's times we're in the we're on the hilltop and there's times we're in the valley right and it's because of the times in the valley that we can appreciate the hilltop or appreciate the mountaintop right but in this life, as believers, we are called to suffer. And I've had believers that love the Lord say, well, you know, I'm not called to suffer. You can suffer. That's fine, but I'm not called to suffer. And then immediately when they experience suffering, that's when they leave the faith. Or that's when they, say, that's when they start backsliding. That's when they start doing things they know they're not supposed to. Well, I can't believe I suffered. Come expecting it. Lean into the cross. Lean into Jesus' understanding and identifying with our suffering because he suffered for us. Amen? We should lean into it. Anticipate it. Know it's coming and prepare for it. When you have the maturity of a believer, that when suffering comes, you go, yep, this is the battle. Man, there's all this infighting, there's all this stuff going on in my life, and I'm at the target of it, I'm at the center of it. Yep, that's the battle. Man, you wouldn't believe this. I mean, there's people that are mad because I said this, and I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but that's not the way the culture is now. So now they're mad at me, and now I have to stand up for my faith, and I have to be out there, and yep, that's the battle. Well, you understand, there's sickness in my life, and there's hurt going on, and man, the enemy is attacking me with anxiety and all sorts of stuff, and yep, That's the battle. And we've gotten into this culture where everybody has to have self-care all the time. And so because they're yearning for self-care, they go, well, that's just too hard. I'm going to step back. I need to go spend a week kayaking. I I say kayaking, not (laughs) There's a lot of people that like to kayak here, including myself, but to me, that would be relaxing. right? So you go, well, well this, is, this is happening in my life, and I just can't handle it, so I'm going to take a step back, and I'm going to go watch movies for a week. Or I'm going to just st- step back, and I don't, I don't want to rock the boat. Because I don't want to rock the boat, I'm just, I'm just going to leave it there. And I'm just going to focus on taking care of myself. And so that's the mentality that a lot of people have today. Well, I've got to just take care of myself. And as long as I'm healthy and whole, that's what matters. We are missing the point. In our Christian faith, we are called to suffer. And if we, if we suffer our entire lives to enjoy eternity with Christ, it is well worth it You say, that person, they just suffered their entire life. Corey Ten Boom, we've talked about this before, from the depths of a Nazi prison camp, echoes the words that are so powerful. No matter how deep my darkness, my God is deeper still. And so we lean into Jesus during tragedy, we lean into Christ during heartache, we lean into him during suffering because he identifies with it. I will show Paul or I will show Saul how much he must suffer for my sake. Ananias departs He enters the house and he lays his hands on Saul and he says this, he says, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled, say filled, with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off of his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized and taken food He was strengthened, and for some days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. So the man is obedient. Saul has regained his sight, and now Saul, who was persecuting and murdering Christians, Saul, who was wreaking havoc upon the church, Saul, who has an experience with Christ, now gets into a totally different experience. Verse 20 says this, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the son of God. It seems Saul could not wait to start sharing who Jesus is. He is the son of God. Verse 21 says, and all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews. He confused the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Saul's life was dramatically changed, right? Everything shifted for him. Nothing was the same after he encountered Christ, including his name, who we we know he would come to be known as the Apostle Paul. His impact on the early church, on the ecclesia, was distinctive and unmistakable, and it was only because of Jesus. Amen. I like what David Guzik said. He said, People were genuinely amazed at Saul's conversion. It was hard to believe just how powerfully Jesus could change a life. Years later, Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 5:17. He writes, therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The thing is this. Paul lived that that verse long before he wrote it. He lived that verse long before he wrote it. Will you stand with me this morning? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Even when we go through suffering, even when we go through chaos and tragedy, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. This morning, I am praying and believing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, those who are here, in one of two ways. The first may be those who are here, those maybe you're watching online, and you say, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know Christ I mean I know the name I know the concept I know the person I've I've heard the stories but I don't have a personal relationship with him if you would all close your eyes this morning you look at me and say pastor David that's me that's me I've gone to church for a lot of years. I mean, I know the concepts. I understand why people are here, but I don't know Jesus. I need him to be master and king of my life. I want to serve him with all my heart. If that's you this morning, would you lift up your hand? There's a second way the Holy Spirit is speaking. And it's not concerning your salvation, but it's concerning your mission. We all have a mission to minister Christ to those around us. We all have that mission. But many times we just aren't sure how. Many times we're not sure how to go about doing that. I'm gonna encourage you this morning to pray that God would give you opportunities, that the Lord would give you courage, and that he would give you wisdom to minister Christ to those people in your life. Just like God sent Philip to the Ethiopian and he sent Ananias to Saul, he will send you to specific people. It's our responsibility to then be obedient. Amen? Amen.